You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, how is everybody doing? Oh, there's the everybody out early Saturday morning that uh, Caitlin is like my niece. Um, her grandmother is my mother's best friend. She's been called aunt since, you know, since I've ever uttered words to her. Uh, you know, Caitlin's father, Richard, a couple of years older than me, but we were all together growing up as kids. Um to find out, you know, we knew she needed it, and we found that out in March at 27. She celebrated her 28th birthday in May, and then finding out yesterday, she was now going to get her heart transplant. Um, I appreciate everybody reaching out. Um, one of the things was as crazy as it is for her to need this procedure at her age, it was also one of the most benefits, hopefully, into what can be a, a pretty good recovery and at least get her onto some sort of path for, you know, a good, sustainable life with her two young daughters at three and one. So I, I do appreciate everybody on that. You know, as I hear things, you know, I'll be glad to monitor. But uh, crazy just 24 hours of, you know, dealing with the highs and the lows and everything in between. Um, so, but here, we're here to talk ball here on Locked On Browns, brought to you today, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, by Hotels.com. Uh, don't get upset, don't hate like when your friends are posting pictures of their plans or their trips or what they're doing. Go to Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded, make your own plans, do something. But yeah, check out Hotels.com. Uh, obviously, the Locked On Browns podcast can be found, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya, wherever your podcasting uh, needs or usage, I should say. Make sure you are follow, uh, subscribed and following locked on browns uh pete uh, happy father's day for all the people you've sunned over the years on the social media network known as twitter i appreciate it <laughs> yes i'm sure the cards are rolling in as we speak um i, I guess i want to get to this and I, I don't want to sound like it's an issue and you know, maybe it's just a, a cause of concern or whatever but you know jarvis landry and look guys um this is no longer. We're not going to do this anymore after a year. Whatever. We will play the Jarvis. It's it's a new. It's a new year for everybody. It's a new slate. And Jarvis and I know Pete's been on this. He's been a nice, you know, standing standing factor on you know. No, that's BS. Don't say that. Who's your source? And you know, trying to whatever media members are trying to start a fire. He's been. Yeah, I would say a pretty good you know, firefighter in putting them out and shutting people up and saying, look, that ain't that way here. We're just going to play ball. And obviously, you know, we, we've heard him sp- speak on, you know, Duke Johnson, and obviously, you know, he considers Duke a friend. And the other thing is he does consider D- Duke a guy in that locker room when his number is called. You can count on. But, Pete, obviously, you know, he had his charity softball game last night, and I, I believe it was couldn't hit, but he was going to be able to play the field a little bit. And not really knowing what's going on, you do have, you know, some slight concerns. Is it an oblique? Uh, I know we were talking yesterday, uh, you had mentioned something. But, you know, if, if it's any one of these, maybe whether it's an inner or an inner core injury, these things are a little nagging. If that's possibly what it could be, this is something, you know, maybe to monitor here, you know, as we, you know, roll on into, you know, what it'll be, what, I guess probably, what, five weeks from now, six weeks from now, well, actually five weeks from now, when, when they start heading into training camp. Um, sure. It certainly, uh, lends credibility, the idea that he was hurt, uh, in minicamp and all that stuff. Um, it's a responsible thing to do to not, you know, not put yourself in, you know, potentially harm's way. Uh, especially when it's sort of your event and you're sort of, uh, expect to be the star of the show. Uh, but it, yeah, I mean, it may be something along the lines of core. It might be something along the lines of, 
you know, the, the old flank injury like Trent Richardson had, it might be, you know, maybe it's a sports hernia type thing. I, you know, it, it's enough that it's, you know, allowing him to, you know, do things like in this case, play the field, but at the same time, uh, apparently enough of a thing that he either doesn't want to aggravate it or potentially have it flare back up again. But, uh, you know, the, the, the hope is that, you know, five weeks from now that, that, that will have gone away. Uh, it is interesting that he has, um, he did a, uh, a few things in the media recently because he had his, uh, can't, he did a youth camp at Shaker Heights high school. And then he had the softball thing and he's been on the radio and all these things, you know, promoting these, these items. And he's sort of become the voice of reason uh, in this whole thing, uh, you know, swatting down a lot of uh, contrived issues as non-factors, which he's right about, uh, you know, the, the reaction he had when it came to the, the talk about Todd Munkin in particular was entertaining because he was like confused and then asked Mary Kay about the source and then sort of laughed at it and basically, you know, tr- like almost tried to like, give it some credence, but even that seemed to be some a stretch. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, whether it's a credibility thing or he's just been around it long enough, he just sort of understands that nothing going on with the Browns is a big deal. There are plenty of things going on around the league that are big deals. Like today you saw a thing about Telvin Smith who said he's not playing this year and it hasn't revealed why was apparently fined for missing all the days of minicamp. That's an issue. Like that's a thing that's with the, the stuff that uh, going on with the Browns isn't. So uh, I'm, I'm working under the assumption that he will be fine uh, in a few weeks, ready to go. Uh, and now if, if we get to training camp and there's an issue, then, then you know, I, I, they're, uh, they're going to have to, at that point, sort of, uh, probably shed more light onto what's going on. I mean, they don't have to officially do it uh, until you know until until they have to release injury reports uh, for the sake of gambling. But at some point, if you know if he's not healthy by then, uh, that will raise more questions. And at that point, he may just address it himself. But we'll see where we end up. Yeah, I mean, if it is something, you know, and, and part of it, though, where, you know, I, I, I might not play offense or whatever, you know, uh, the competitor in you is always there. Um, so even if it's something, you know, whatever, if it's a groin or what, anything, you know, mid-body, don't go up there, be a moron, you know, swing like Babe Ruth and try to hit a softball 475 feet because you would only do yourself more damage. Uh, so it, it's it's just something to monitor, and you know, like I said, like I said, it's it's clean slate time for everybody, and I think Jarvis has done a really good job, and it seems like he's one that's kind of you know understanding that hey, this is this is really really picking up, and even though there's no way you know, and some of it you know unrightfully given as far as all the momentum that's put on the Cleveland Browns, um, whereas he's also saying you're not going to come with all that negative crap. Because nothing has changed, uh, you know, as far as on the field. There's no way to discredit or credit this product as it is. So let's not go looking for things that aren't there. And yeah, I, as far as you know, talking with the media and you know, it's just and you know, come on, Mary Kay, you got to do better. You can't use something Mike Silver said on television and say source when everybody in the world already knew it, and especially when you're coming with it 16 hours later. Uh, and but you know, nice job, you shooting. 
you know, that type of stuff out of the air. Um, but this there, is what, there, was, go ahead. there was one major red flag at the softball game. Oh boy, they all suck. I mean, they suck. Like put on a or swung a bat in their lives, they are genuinely awful at all. It, to the point where there are any number of bronze fans who play on some you know beer league softball teams that would go out and destroy these guys playing softball. It was like if you see the clips, it's painful how bad some of these guys are. They can't get it out of the infield. Guys can't field for shit. It's it's embarrassing. Well, but, you know, Pete, this is also, you know, kind of where a lot of sports is matriculated. You do one thing, you do it year-round, whereas, you know, when I was a kid, what season was it? That's what we played, and, you know, but it's not the way anymore, and, you know, you don't have your true, you know, and true athletes, Joel Batonio was one. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr., his whole life started on the soccer field, Uh, you know, but that is not the case with a lot of sports. You know, you know, if Baker had been there, maybe that would have been a different story. Obviously, Baker was a uh, Baker was a pretty solid second baseman at his high school, and actually, as great to his his high school football program is, uh, the New York Mets first round selection was the third baseman from Baker's high school. So, and if you ever guys, you ever want to actually throw up? Uh, I mean, as at, at far as like high schools and what they should look like. Take a look at Baker Mayfield's high school stadium and actually the weight room. It is obscene. Uh, I played one double-A college football. Nothing even close to that. Not even close on the map. Things are truly bigger, better. Miles Garrett may well be Superman, but softball is that man's kryptonite. Yeah, well, be one and what, though? In the same respect, though, Miles can say, hey, anybody want to go over here and work on windmill dunks? Um, So we, you know... (laughs) You know, he's a phenomenal athlete, seems to be good at everything he does, and then you watch him up there and swing and a miss. Yeah, but in the same respect, if you have a 40-inch vertical, you were probably closer to the track and field side than you were to the baseball diamond. Uh, the folks over at Untucket. Uh, dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so, so, so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Everyone to wear your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day, it can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or at the barbecues on a weekend or obviously on a Father's Day sitting around with family. Uh, no tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NFL, and get 20% off. Uh, I mean, this is the sort of unofficial holiday for Blue Chew, as <laughs> people like, uh, you know, Nicole are the unofficial result of, of Blue Chew. Uh, so for all the dads or trying to be dads or avoiding being dads, uh, look, get Blue Chew. It, you're, you're fighting for your sexual survival here. If, you know, you always want to have your A game, bring the best you can, certainly uh, you'd like to take better advantage of your at-bats than uh, the Browns uh, and, and Travis Kelsey and all those guys did yesterday at their softball at-bats. Uh, put a little extra cork in that bat. Put a donut on the end. Swing it around and get a little more confident. Uh, Blue Chew, it's, it's got the proven ingredient that, that you see in Cialis and these other products that are proven to work. Uh, it's chewable, so it can work up to twice as fast. You can use it on a full stomach. Uh Check out the lo- the promo code locked on. And uh, again, for all the dads who are 
trying to be dads, if you're going to be in there putting in the work, you might as well get the most out of it and, and make the uh, spouse or would-be mothers out there as happy as possible. Uh, yes, and thanks to the good folks at Blue Chew, obviously uh, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W as the promo code, a lot of moms. So, taking one for the team this evening, so to speak. All right, we got some listener questions to get to here, and I appreciate you guys being quick on this today. I wasn't sure how this was all going to work out today. Uh, crazy morning, slept in, both kids slept out last night, and for me and my wife to wake up at 9.30 in the morning, that almost you know sets the day uh, basically two hours back right off the bat. Uh, from our good buddy, Stephen Thomas, and Stephen, obviously, obviously happy Father's Day to you. If things don't go as planned on the offensive line, what if any potential guys around the league might be available Potentially interesting at the end of camp, trade deadline. Um, then there's a second part, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek, but we'll get to that one too. We, we've, we've gone over this, Pete, ad nauseum on the defensive line. Um, cause, uh, you know, But this is offensive line. But you can't say you wanted Gerald McCoy. You were in on Gerald McCoy and then say, ah, oh, we didn't get him. We're good. We're good with what's in the house. Um, I would say you have four, and then you've got that five to nine on the offensive line. And for the most part, yeah, there's a lot of question marks. That's a fair question to ask. I mean, I think the guys they have on the roster are going to make out what their 9 or 10 are going to be. But, uh, you know, if, if, if Desmond Harrison is anything, he's proof of how desperate the NFL is for offensive linemen. He was, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't even hit the waiver wire before he was claimed. Uh, I mean, and, he was literally in the airport before it was even official, yes. I mean... Uh, and I'm looking at some of the free agents that are sitting there. I mean, Marshall Newhouse is awful. Jordan Mills might be okay. Donald Penn is a thousand. Uh, Jeremy Parnell, Ryan Schrader, Gary Gilliam. Uh, you know, these are not guys that you want to be in a situation where you're potentially having needing them. I mean, Jeremiah Putasi is only 25, but he's been you know, pretty ineffective. And, and I think at this point, you're not likely to find anything short of trading. Uh, and, and, I, and I, you know, I don't think that's likely to happen at this point. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking for waiver wire guys, it, it's it would likely be in the neighborhood of rookies and undrafted free agent types uh, that you probably don't want to put on the field anyway. Uh, you, you have those already that you could possibly use. So, uh, I think, you know, I think the answers are on this roster and short of, you know, some sort of catastrophic injury type situation. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's answers. That's that's, you know, why the Desmond Harrison thing was a reasonable size deal on the idea that, you know, if, if you were one of the people and there are a lot of people who believe in his potential that, you know, they just were fed up and weren't going to deal with it. Uh, th- there are just not, you know, that that is a position that they're just not options out there where you can just go ahead and oh we can go ahead and grab one off the street they just don't they just don't exist yeah uh, you know desmond harrison if he were 22 23 years old and been a third round pick there's shit you can get away with um at almost 26 undrafted free agent with already you know i don't want to say a rap sheet but already a rap sheet of questions uh, the- Reputation, at least. Yes, exactly. A reputation rap, you, uh, rap sheet, so to speak. And, you know, you just eventually just, you know, you, you cut weight. Uh, you know, good riddance to bad rubbish. Obviously, you know, Trent Williams actually becoming available would be something. And there's usually, almost at every position, there's that one name that between now and August, all of a sudden something happens. A contract extension didn't work out or 
just a differing and all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, some guy becomes available. Uh, you know, uh, thank God you avoided the Richie Incognito landmine because that literally that would have exploded in this locker room's face. The, the 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 Trent Williams situation got more interesting by virtue of the fact that Adrian Peterson, who's known him basically since he was at Oklahoma, yep. came out and undermined the whole thing and said, "Yeah, he'll be there at camp." I mean, so I I really don't know what to make of this situation, but I think that is likely to drag out. And and I've said all along, I, I, Daniel Snyder can't get any worse in terms of how he's perceived. So, you know, doing an unpopular thing to take a stand, um, you know, that he's not losing it. So he can he could just sit there uh, unless he gets exactly what he would want in a trade. So, I, you know, I don't think there's any type of discount to be had. I think it's, an, you know, they are going to expect if they even entertain the idea that it would be a premium uh, package or they're just going to sit there and, and take it. Well, and even still, you know, Washington has done some things this offseason. I have to think that they believe they, you know, have some promise. They drafted well. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you traded for a quarterback. You drafted Haskins at 15. Um, so maybe if you think you have some aspirations. And, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, Philadelphia looks like the sure bet in the NFC East. But it's not to say, you know, you could find a way to get to 9-7, and seven, maybe get yourself a wild card and, Washington's got some guys there to do it. Obviously, you know, Geis will be a part, essentially, of this draft class. You add that to what you have. Uh, so eliminating your left tackle would seem, on paper, really freaking stupid. Uh, but, you know, then again, Daniel Snyder. And then also from Steven, uh, Pete, if the, Scottish, if the Scottish Hammer wins the gig, do you call Dave Gettleman and see if maybe you can swindle another fourth-round pick for a punter? Sure. Um, you know, that that's that's actually a really fascinating situation. Um, I, you know, I I, th- I think the thing with that is like when you sit there and sort of like the people who have watched him, they are genuinely amazed by uh, Gilliam's leg, uh, which sounds great. Uh, the issue, you know, that that where Colquitt, you know, you know potentially is safe uh, and we'll see if Gilliam can sort of figure this out is genuinely, generally you don't want your punter to just kick the shit out of the ball as far as he possibly yes. can. Uh, because then you, you get into the whole outkick the coverage thing. Uh, the, the punt returner has too much room to figure it out. And then the other part is, you know, if, if you're on your own 40 or, you know, 50 yard line and you punt, uh, which, you know, is its own issue um, that you don't want him to boom the ball because it's sailing out the back of the end zone. It, it becomes, can you place it? Can you get the ball to potentially hit the ground and die, which is not easy to do. I mean, there's a lot of techniques with how to hit the ball and the backspin and all that. And there's some element of luck with it, but that is where Britton Colquitt is really, you know, has proven himself to be really effective. So, you know, Gilliam being able to kick the shit out of the ball is great now. Now it becomes the nuance and the the details of the position where I think uh, that becomes interesting. And, I, and I'm not going to pretend I know where he's at in that process. But you know, if, if the assumption is well, Gillian can just kick the shit out of the ball. He should win the job. He's younger. Uh, that sounds great. But you still have to make sure you're good on those other things because then then even if a Colquitt has a weaker leg. It's about those, you know, making sure you're, the, you know, the inside the twenties and 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 pinning teams, 
is is where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, and part of it is, uh, I guess you go to, uh, you know, the movie Tin Cup. Uh, it's great that you can hit the ball 400 yards, um, but I only need you to hit it 37. Um, can you do that? And you know, John Daly, who never became much of a golfer, but he's a great story. It's, you know, that part of it is fantastic. But there's also the part of, you know, the darts approach to it, where I need the ball specifically here. Can you do that? And then, of course, obviously, you know, with Gilliam is, is you know, holding is, you know, it's going to be a factor. And, you know, I'll be honest, guys, it's it's not easy. Uh, I, I did it for one year in high school. It, it's it, it's difficult it, and it, because everything has got to be perfect and you have to do it within a rhythm and it's you cannot have any misstep whatsoever. And there's 11 guys coming. It, it's it, Holding isn't easy. It's, you know... It, some people are really, really good at it, but if you've never done it before, to learn it at this level with, you know, seven, eight, three hundred pounders coming at you trying to kill everybody involved, it can be a little difficult. So, you know, obviously that'll be fun to uh, you know, watch. And obviously, you know, Gilliam, you know, if there were a hard knocks this year in Berea, obviously Gilliam would be a good, good, huge part of that. Um, from Ken Brown. Everyone knows Belichick is the real defensive coordinator uh, at the uh, with the Pats. Is Freddie trying to be the same, but with the offensive unit and the Browns? And we've talked about this a lot. I mean, yeah, the, the, if you're Freddie, this is this is your show. This is your first gig, and you don't want to end up like Steve Wilkes, where it was a one and done thing, and now you're fighting to you know reestablish your coaching career and the credibility to it. But we've talked on this beat with Todd. Yeah, he's not here to run his offense. You know, and, and Freddie Kitchens has talked about how, you know, the offense is going to be completely different. You know, the, the, their, their offense is essentially going to change every year, or at least that's the way he's talking about it. And certainly, Munkin is going to impact what that looks like. Uh, you know, he's certainly coming in to bring his own flavor. But ultimately, this is Freddie Kitchens' baby, and it's going to be in his image, you know, uh, there's going to be, and this is probably not going to be easy to pick out for the naked eye, but you're going to get people like the Jake Burns of the world and, and people of the, that ilk who are going to break down and go, yeah, this is, this is the Todd Munkin sort of influence. This is where it, it, it comes into play with different sort of packages, but really what he's here to do is to game plan, uh, take apart defenses and help, Freddie Kitchens as a sounding board, and then he is there to try to make this thing more efficient. And that comes in the play of sort of trying to help eliminate it as many negative and zero plays uh, based on calls as possible, and hopefully adding in a few more explosive plays. But and this is where you know this this report from Mike Silver I think gets off base immediately is he's not here to run this thing. He's here to sort of be a, a a supplement uh, to what, what they are already doing and, and add to it. So it's, you know, who knows Freddie, what Freddie kitchens wants to do better than Freddie kitchens. So naturally he's going to be the guy running the meetings and, and, and teaching. So whether you want to call that uh, a Belichick style, I don't necessarily think so because Belichick doesn't call his own defenses on game day, but he's certainly a major player in the game planning part. And I, I mean, in that sense, it's like the opposite uh, that, you know, Belichick is sort of what Munkin is, is, is doing. And he sort of functions as that net that, you know, that, that I think has played a big role in, in these Patriots uh, 
coaches that leave and 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 fail other places is that he's he's under the trapeze and always the net for these guys. If they're going to do something wrong, he's always there to sort of catch them and make sure that you know it, it doesn't affect them. And then they go wherever else, and that net is no longer there. So I think Munkin in this case becomes the net. Uh, hopefully, in terms of trying to make sure they don't do anything wrong, but he's the guy in in Belichick style, helping with the game stuff. But ultimately, on on, on game day, it's Freddie calling the offense, just like it was Brian Flores making the defensive calls last year for the Patriots. And look, and if you're Freddie Kitchens and you say, "I've got Baker Mayfield, I've got this stable of running backs, I've got Odell Beckham." I've got Jarvis Landry. I've got Antonio Callaway. I've got Rashard Higgins. I've got David Njoku, Demetrius Harris. We still have Seth DeValve. Why would you want to? <laughs> I got it all here, man. I mean, it's I have an offensive coordinator in, you know, title. This is my offensive coordinator. I am an offensive-minded coach. I've been waiting all my life for this opportunity. Um... <laughs> I'm going to take this hand, and I'm going to play it myself. Yeah, I mean, 100%. This is a first of all, Freddie Kitchens believes in himself. Uh, and, you know, he, he you know, the fact that he does believe in it, he's willing to put himself out there. If he's going to go down, it's going to be his way. Uh, but I think you know, this was clear before Munkin was brought in, this was clear to whoever was going to come in and take that job. There was going to be Freddie Kitchens calling the offense, and it was going to be a supplemental thing. I think Todd Munkin is ideal for that role because of the things he does in terms of exploiting defenses and all those things, which has made him so successful uh, last year in Tampa. So uh, I, I think it's a, a great situation for both both people, and, 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 and we'll see – how long it lasts and if Munkin starts getting real looks at head coach. I don't think it's going to be quite as fast as a lot of people do because he's not calling his own plays. Uh, but certainly he's going to, you know, if the Browns are successful, it's going to help elevate his stock in terms of getting a head coaching job, if that's what he wants and, and, and what, where he might go and potentially being able to sort of pick his spot. And also we're getting to the point now where, you know, you're getting, some guys who are a lot smarter about you know, the head coaching jobs they're going to. Um, if the job looks like grim death, you're getting a lot of guys saying, I'll bide my time until maybe something better comes along because uh, you don't want to end up like Steve Wilkes where you finally got the, finally got the gig. And within, I guess, what, 10 months, you're out the stinking door. So, uh, you know, you want to go somewhere where it's going to be a sustainable thing. Uh, the folks, uh, Grip Six Belts. Their goal is literally to make the best belt that has ever been made. Grip 6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives. Uh, they have a fantastic women's collection. Ultra lightweight, with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt, again, with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. We thank them for their sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Look, guys, belts, they aren't flashy. They are the most important thing in the world, but they are somewhat of a necessity. So check out the folks over at Crip6. Uh, next listener question, and this is actually pretty much a good one. I, I, I don't know if I want to say so much, you know, 
as a cut. But uh, look, every team, every year, there's always something that becomes a bit of a head-scratcher. Pete, biggest surprise cut or, let's say, elimination of guy from roster during training camp? Uh, okay, so I will go with I, – I, I don't know the name. I will go with the position. I'm going to say corner. Yep. Uh, they have – if you just go down, you can pick count six and be like, but wait, there's also this guy, this guy, and this guy. So somebody's going, and it may not be satisfying – Right now, um, that remains to be seen who it is. I, you know, it, like I don't think it'll be a huge surprise. I think Philip Gaines could be in that that list of a guy who I think would would be a fine fourth corner uh, for a team. I, I think a good fourth corner, but the, just the amount of guys the Browns have that it may you know he may be the guy that goes because they like the way somebody else is coming in, or they like Tavier Thomas because of you know his pure special teams role. And, you know, if, if Sheldrick Redwine is not the direct safety uh, that comes in for packages uh, where he's the deep cover guy and he actually gets used in the slot uh, where he was really, really good at Miami and man coverage and stuff that maybe that frees up a spot and somebody's get, you know, is a surprise cut from that standpoint. So, you know, I, I think corner is the ripe spot to see that happen. Uh, you know, that could come in the form of a trade. I hope it comes in the form of a trade, uh, but that's the position where I could see something really uh, change. It, it, I, I don't know if this is going this, you know, trying to aim us in this direction or uh, just a completely honest question. I, I, I'm going to have an article come out on this tomorrow. The answer is it's not going to be Duke Johnson. Uh, it's so if that's what people are thinking might happen and as a result of this whole thing. That's not where the Browns are at on this. Uh, so I will stay with corner. Uh, well, I, I, mean, I, I agree with secondary because, look, you know Denzel Ward is not going anywhere. Greedy Williams is not going anywhere. Uh, one game, one name that does not get a, enough respect is as bad as his special teams unit was. Tavier Thomas was fantastic. Um, and the other thing is, you know, you always, you know, who brought him in? John did bring him in. Uh, the fact he finished a year... Um, and then had to have, you know, he had, uh, you know, surgery afterwards. Uh, similar to J.C. Treader, a guy who put himself there for the product. That's a very respectable thing. And, you know, I, I know with John Dorsey, you know, that is one thing that does impress him. He loves guys that will put the team first. And it's not a question of, you know, all right, I'm going to tap out because nothing's going on here. You know, I'm going to do my gig. I'm going to do my job because that's what you're all paying me to do. And Tavier Thomas was obviously a fantastic special teamer. That puts you at three corners right there. Then you've got Carey. You've got Mitchell. Like you said, uh, you uh, you had mentioned Gaines and then where Murray's going to play because his role is going to be a little bit of everything, I'm probably pretty sure of that fact. So, yeah, I, I do agree. It, it will be some sort of secondary move. And I, I don't know, maybe cut so much as, oh, somebody's got a couple of holes now and maybe this is something we can do there. But I do believe it was secondary. Uh you know, you're not going to – I mean, I, I don't see how you're going to move on, you know, just cut anybody from the offensive line. If anything, they can be peddled for some loose change on the dollar. Uh, you know, in linebacker position, I don't see what you're cutting there. Uh, you're not going to cut Duke Johnson. I mean, look, who knows? I, I still don't know when we line up against Tennessee if Duke Johnson is going to be here or not. In my Guys, you always know I say he should be. But now you are in a position with this team where this is it's really hard to go back from what, what went on with Duke Johnson. And most of the times, 
those situations don't go back. It's just all right. It's it's just gotten too ugly. You know, almost similar to a marriage and you know, kids and da, 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 oh well, we're gonna stay together for the kids and da 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 da. And then guess what? The kids go to middle school and guess what? The first thing the parents do is the kids hit middle school. It's over. That's when the divorces happen and stuff of that nature. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Secondary because uh, you've got three young kids who have roles on this team, and then you've got a nice group of veterans who. In part, everybody kind of did a little something last year, but you know you're going to get to the point where some of these younger guys are going to start to eat up more and more of their reps. Uh, let's see, we got a couple more, a couple more here. Tag them with a couple other things. All right, well, this is pretty funny. Uh, Nick and Merced. All right, female Browns fans are by far the best-looking fans in the NFL, and the male Browns fans are by far the worst. All right, Nick, I'll take it. I agree. Uh, this is factually c- correct observation based on Twitter profile pictures and experiences at the stadium <laughs> during game days. Uh, discuss. Uh, look, you know, look I, I think for most men, I think you get to a certain point. And it's, you know, I, I can look good when I have to look good. You know, I clean myself up for graduation on Friday. But you get to a certain point where you're older. It's all about comfortability, Pete. And But the thing, though, and I, I do appreciate, Nick, what you said about all the fine women in Brown's Twitter. And the other thing is they're good women, and they know what they're talking about. And that's, I'll be honest, I have better interactions with a lot of the females on Twitter than I do with a lot of males. Um, first thing I would notice, this might be, you might be giving away too much about what you're doing in terms of looking at Twitter profile pics. Uh, <laughs> Nick, yes, maybe. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, look, the, by and large, uh, you know, I, I don't care what fan base you're talking about. You know, male football fans tend to uh, not not be as great as you'd like them to be. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, whether it's every fan base has their, their share of female fans. I, I think I know where he's going with this on some teams like maybe uh, we won't get into that may have some he he's not as fond of but sure let's let's go ahead and go fan service here um the overall i would you know the women who are listen to our podcast who we interact with are great um i wish there were more of them because they tend to be far more reasonable uh than the most uh and uh, you know they they tend to have an interesting viewpoint on certain things that you know either we're unqualified to have or just have more thought to it uh, so you know more power to those people but uh yeah you may want to keep it on the down low as far as twitter profile pics maybe you're just referring to men uh and and you know whatever but yeah maybe maybe creeping a little bit here yeah you you, you do want to you know be careful of that uh there is that, and look. The other thing is, is um, there how many men will just put up a profile picture, and a lot of them, it's a beer and a hand or whatever these things. They, and you know, women, first things first, are just a prettier species. That's just the way it goes. And um, you know, they're not going to put up a profile picture unless they're confident in it. And, and in my way, my wife works, and there's pictures I take. Don't you dare put that on Facebook, or don't you dare put that. And I got a couple of you know candids from graduation the other day when her name was called up and you know she's up there with the principal and they're handing out things to the teachers and you know obviously you know, the, the assistants who you know help kids whatever whatever they need and uh you know i have a couple of candidates who have you know my wife's facial expressions and she literally ripped the phone out of my hands and said delete delete those pictures 
gone. Um, so, but also, women are a little bit smarter with that. Uh, men, whatever, just shoot the damn pic, whatever I look like. And I know for me, I don't photograph well because I don't smile on command well. And this has been forever. And I remember a bunch of the wedding, as we were doing our wedding pictures, and photographer, can you smile? I'm like, well, no, you, you can't just give me a command of smile. It could just say something funny, and I will give you a natural smile. I can't smile on command. It doesn't work that way. Um, Pete, this is one I, 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 I've had. Now, offensively, obviously, with all of this skill, you know, if it all stays, there's going to be somebody with just like a weird number. You know, maybe it'll be touchdown receptions, or maybe it'll be receptions. There's going to be somebody who has like a, a statistic anomaly that nobody saw coming from this group. For me, I, I'm going to say like Harris is going to, if, if Fells could get four touchdowns, nobody is going to cover Demetrius Harris. It could be these six easiest touchdowns of somebody's career that nobody saw coming. Right. So that if, if he catches six, that means he dropped six other ones. So he should have. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, there's just some, because of the amount of guys they have, there's such a possibility for weird shit. That's good. Um, on this team. That's just stuff. That, and obviously Darren Fells being the first ever, touchdown reception of, of, of Baker Mayfield's career is right up there at the top. I mean, is he playing tackle in Houston this year? Maybe. Uh, so like it, it doesn't get any, you know, if, if you know, that's one of those trivia things, much <coughs> trivia in, in six years and, and, and Baker Mayfield's had a bunch of success in all this. And, and you get like, uh, you know, I don't even know if they still do this show on STO where they're at a bar and they, they give you trivia questions on Cleveland sports and give you, you know, beer money. Uh, that's what it's called. Beer money. That's it. Um, that who caught the first touchdown reception of Baker Mayfield's career, you know, it, that true Darren Fells will absolutely trip people up on that. Um, I, the, one, the one I'm waiting for, because it would be the most entertaining is if Duke Johnson has some like, crazy amount of touchdowns or something like that this year uh because of everything that's gone on um like duke johnson has a september of 375 total yards and four touchdowns and everybody's just like okay because we all saw that coming yeah um I, i the guy who stands out and i don't know if it would be a huge surprise is if a guy like Jannard avery comes down with double digit sacks this year uh, because of the situation he's in, because of this, you know, the, the environment they've built up. He's very talented. They have a ton of pass rushers. They have all these things, and and he's sort of like that that guy that nobody's really thinking about necessarily because the other guys have so much star power that he comes up with double digit sacks, and it's just sort of like, oh shit, um, you know, this guy came out of nowhere in that respect. So I'm sure there's other weirder things that could happen along those lines, like. You know, Baker Mayfield catches a touchdown pass somewhere along this because they do something, you know, akin to the Philly special something. Uh, or Baton Rouge special. Or or something along the lines of Jarvis Landry throwing a touchdown again. Uh, or, or not a touchdown, but this year it would be throwing a touchdown or Odell Beckham throwing a touchdown, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, Jannard Avery is the one that stands out to me as something that could happen that a lot of people – you know, maybe in Cleveland wouldn't be so surprised, but I think people around the league would be like, whoa, you know, where'd this guy come from? 
Yeah, and that would go along lines with the, you know the NASCAR package that we were kind of talking about, where you have Miles inside, Sheldon Richardson outside, Vernon goes over onto the left tackle side, Jarnard Avery, and guys, we saw this. There's, I mean, it's and this is just incredible to say about him for in his first year, and obviously a little bit shorter. You know, when I say undersized, the weight, you know, at 250 or whatever it is, that, that not undersized there, but I mean, he is strong as a bull and can bull rush right tackles and he could come into a you know two three sack games because your you know attention was on Garrett it was on Richardson it was on Vernon and Gennard Avery just eats on some poor ass right tackles yeah I mean it again every game this year some point they're going to play find the turd whether that's just putting Miles Garrett over them or whatever but somebody's going to be a weakness on opposing offensive lines. And you know, if they can keep everybody healthy, somebody is just going to be able to feed on this team. And, and, and you know, it, it could be something weird like, you know, Joe Schobert ends up with like six interceptions or something like that by virtue of the fact that, you know, quarterbacks presumably are going to make a lot of mistakes this year or, or Demarius Randall has some obscene amount of interceptions. Um, there's just the potential for all kinds of weirdness, uh, whether it's big name players that have just insane seasons for you know that particular year, or some unheralded guy that comes in and has as a as a great you know particular stat, uh, like Terrence Mitchell last year, all those forced fumbles yep. uh, and first cause, like those type of things. Yeah, I mean he was on a a crazy unsustainable rate early on before the broken arm in Oakland, and you know, and that's you know where you get them tall, long-armed DBs that uh, John seems to kind of like, and, you know, that's where it comes in, and, you know, smart play by all of them, of course. Um, Giovanni Raviz, actually, obviously this one's for me because Pete's, you know, the folks he's sunned on Twitter don't really necessarily count. Um, you know, happy Father's Day. Uh, Non-Browns question, uh, favorite Father's Day. Uh, his was 2016. Family got together for dinner, and the Cavs obviously pulled off the biggest upset in sports history. Uh, happy Father's Day, Gio. Uh, always appreciate everything you, you bring towards the show and everything, so thank you for that. Um, for me, I'll go with my first one, and it was a little awkward um, <laughs> because the night before, um, if you guys don't know, um, one of my best friends for my entire life eventually ended up dating my younger sister. They're married now. They have two kids. But his bachelor party was the night before my first Father's Day. We were good. No, no debauchery, nothing. Um, we have a up, well, it used to be up by where, you know, the football, you know, where MetLife is. It was Giants Stadium then where the Jets and Giants play. Uh, you know, right next door is where the New Jersey Nets used to play. Obviously now the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and that used to be the same facility the New Jersey Devils play. They now have a new facility. But there's also a racetrack, racetrack up there. Um, yeah, quite liquored up, banged up. Um, so the next morning, the morning of my first Father's Day, I was hung over to the bejesus. And, uh, you know, my wife was very understanding, obviously. You know, it wasn't, you know, as we're getting older, there's very few times where you're going out and tearing up the town. But that was one of them. Um, but that's the first one. And you see the thing, you know, and you you get the, you know, the, the first Father's Day presents where it's handprints of your child or footprints. And you just kind of remember and realize everything, you know, where you are now and what you used to be and now what life means to you. Um, being an a- Avery and Hope's dad is probably the greatest job I've ever had. I'm sorry, it's not probably, it is the greatest job I've ever had. It's the greatest job I will ever have. And also part of it is because 
I've had to change so much. Um, you know, I I don't know if this goes for most men. You just assume you're going to get married and you're going to have sons. I, I guess you just view it that way. We, me and my wife, we both fought this way. Everybody in our family, her side, my side, was boys up until that point. I think it was like seven out of eight um, of you know the nieces and nephews. I, we had one at the time. Um, but seeing them grow and now with the fact that they are 12 and a half and 11 and I don't talk to them like babies and you know, we have real conversations and you know my daughter Avery who's just intelligent as hell where this you know dad that's BS and this is why and she's so stinking smart and there's you know like I, I don't debate with her anymore because she's smart enough to make her own decisions you know I give her my opinion if she uses it that's fantastic if she doesn't that's fantastic as well. You know, I want my kids to be free thinkers and they still understand that if they need to, and there are times where they come to me and say, dad, you know, look, can you help me with this? Or this is what happened. I'm not sure, you know, how do I respond? This thing, the other thing, um, it's, it's a full-time gig. It's a lifetime gig. Uh, you can't half ass it. So if you ain't ready, Make sure you wrap yourself up. I don't, you know, whatever. Don't use the blue chew. Make sure you wrap up. Make sure you wrap up twice. If you ain't ready for this, don't get into it because no child deserves the disservice uh, of a half-assed parent. It just don't go that route. Um, Pete, anything we've missed? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, some minor things are like, Michael Roberts was traded to the New England Patriots uh, for a late-round pick, and then something happened uh, that caused the deal to be voided, and ultimately, I guess, failed physical. I guess, it, yeah, it's weird. They didn't say it, uh, which is funny though, because it's Patricia sending a player to his old employer, and then be like, "Dude, what the hell did you do? What'd you send me?" So they ultimately voided the deal, and then the Lions just straight released him. So presumably, he will still end up, you know, on the Patriots if they want him at some point. Uh, Which will happen really, in about three days. Yeah, I really liked Mike Roberts coming out of uh, Toledo. Nice kid, Benny's Benny's guy, uh, Benedictine kid, just like uh, Justin Lane. Uh, just a very nice, polite kid. Uh, so, wishing it had worked out better for him. Hopefully, there's still an opportunity for him to find a spot in the NFL. I would not mind if the Browns brought him in as sort of buyout guy. Uh, just as another guy with size who could potentially block big hands. My biggest issue with him was uh, a lack of flexibility. But other than that, I think I think we're square. Uh, yeah, obviously, guys, very quiet league time now. Um, you know, I hope everybody's in. You know, as the U.S. women are about to play, uh, check out the Women's World Cup. Um, and the one thing with women's soccer as opposed to men's soccer is these women go at it. There's no flopping. These these ladies really go at it. So that's oh. always. Chileans apparently may be doing a little bit of uh, of, of flopping, but yes, they, in, in France though, not in Mexico. True, I, I got a lot wrong on that, uh, which is fine. Um, yeah, <laughs> the United States is is already uh, going to town on on the uh, the, the uh, good good people from uh, Chile, but yeah, there's some accusations that Chileans are doing some flopping uh, to try to get some calls, but they're already down three nothing at the half. Yes, and uh, you know, to my Quote, unquote, cousin Carly Lloyd. Way to keep kicking ass. Um, Browns, Maven, Pete, what you got coming for us over there? Uh, I, I published a thing last night on the whole Todd Munkin thing. I published a, a video today on, you know, Mike Florio talking about does Harrison situations, which he got just flat wrong. Uh, he got, got to his conclusion the second Desmond Harrison was released and has worked his way backwards ever since. 
Uh, and there's a lot of stuff. If you you know various clips from the Brown softball thing, some interviews from Kelsey and some guys like that. Uh, as I said earlier, there's going to be a video tomorrow uh, about Duke Johnson's status. It, it, it's going in a different way than I thought it would. So, but that's from what I understand the way that this thing's going to play out, unless something changes dramatically. So that's that's what's coming. Okay. Um, to my cousin Valerie, who has now almost five years been gone from us, happy birthday. Uh, you know, I hope you're up there with your sister and my brother Wayne. Uh, guys, take care of each other. You're all loved and missed. Um, obviously, with the NBA being over and colossal trade or whatever, uh, yeah, it's really only MLB right now. Guys, if you're looking for something to watch, as I did mention, the U.S. Women's Cup, uh, check out the College World Series. Um, amateur athletics is still one of the greatest things to watch. And, uh, you know, I'm a Florida State fan. Mike Martin is the coach there. He's been there forever. Um, he, this is it for him. You know, win or lose, he's done at the end of the year. Um, last night, it was a beautiful game. And here's the best thing with some of these College World Series games. Nine innings, in and out. They were done in less than three hours. Beautifully played game. Florida State with a night, you know, sitting pretty, advancing in the winner's bracket where the starter went eight. You use a closer for one. Now you get a day off perfect scenario but you want to watch something fun and here's the thing that's different with college baseball as opposed to other collegiate athletics there's guys there right now who have four million dollar signing bonus contracts in their pocket and they're not walking away from their team they're not walking away from the competition this is not to judge sports like football or basketball or anything but these guys are there and you know with you know with their pro futures waiting a lot of money just to put the you know their name on the contract they don't leave their team. They go play in this, and eight teams, double elimination. It's really, it's one of my favorite sporting events. I always love tournament play to begin with, because with tournament play, you get a lot of guys who end up getting the opportunity to be stars, just because you're playing tournament play, and you, you've got to end up using other people. So you know, check out the College World Series if you're looking for something to fill some of your sports void right now. There's that, um, you know, with Browns Maven at Browns Maven on Twitter. Check Pete out over there. The Browns, uh, of course, make sure as always you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore. The Locked On Browns Twitter account is always a follow back account at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, throw a follow over there. iTunes rating reviews. We always appreciate them. Keep them coming. Uh, to the great sponsors, uh, you know, obviously Hotels.com, Untucket, Blue Chew, Grip6. We thank you for your affiliation here with the show. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.